0: A fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you picked the right place.
1: Jim Derry has plenty of dataitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is—or well, the way he thinks it is. way well, yeah, New Orleans, and hello to all my friends across the country who still think the Saints have a prayer in hell. Bless your little hearts. Welcome to Datitude, episode number 26 for a Monday, November 22nd, 2021. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at The Advocate, The Times McCune and bet.nola.com. Another Sunday, another loss, another three hours of ineptitude at the position where ineptitude will sink a season faster than a cannonball dumped on a pirog with a hole in it. 40 to 29 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. And it was really only that close because of garbage time. It was 33 to 7 at the end of the third quarter, in case you turned the TV off like I should have done. You believe me yet? Surely there is no one left defending you know who. So each of the past several Mondays, I have opened up with where I stand with a little music. Well, here's what I'm thinking this morning.
0: Help. I need somebody, Help. not just anybody. Help. You know, I need someone. Help. When I was young,
1: so much younger, so <sighs> Sigh. I'm going to get to Derry's dime in just a moment, and in just about 15 minutes, we will have on Fletcher Mackle of WDSU Channel 6 to weigh in with his thoughts. One thing I love about Fletcher is, you know, he usually doesn't hold back, so I'm, I'm guessing it'll be the same this morning. We're going to find out shortly. A reminder, you can reach me at jderry@theadvocate.com and on Twitter at Jim Derry Jr. You can listen to this podcast in a multitude of places. Wherever you're listening right now, you can listen to it on bet.nola.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Wherever else you get your podcast, just search for Dattitude and make sure to subscribe. You can find out whenever an episode is new and up and ready to go. And uh, that is on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, except next Monday we will be taking a little break after Thanksgiving, and there's no Saints game on Sunday. So, look, it's going to be a crazy week with the Saints playing again in just three days against the Buffalo Bills, who are now in a similar spot in their season, having dropped uh, two of their past three, including a whitewashing by the Indianapolis Colts 45-15 to yesterday. You know, I think Jonathan Taylor is still gashing that defense. So how important is it, is it to get Alvin Kamara back this week We'll see. Maybe that's why uh, he wasn't ready. Maybe they were um, trying to get him rested up so he would ha- not have to come back on a short week. We'll talk about that and more on Wednesday. We'll bring back Mike Dettillier of WWL Radio to help us figure out just what in the world is going on. And we're going to split up Conductor Dave and Uncle Big Nick this week. D-squared will be on Wednesday to make our NFL predictions and only the way that D-squared can do so. And then Nick, who had just an outstanding week once again, two weeks in a row, he'll be coming on Friday following our first guest, who will break down whether Thursday's game is a streak buster or a fourth consecutive loss for the black and gold. We'll be talking about that on Friday. I think it's going to be Jeff Duncan, although I have not confirmed that as of yet. Also, don't forget to watch our multitude of shows on bet.nola.com. Odds and Ends on Monday to review the previous week in a football fantasy roundup on Tuesdays and at the book on Thursdays, featuring and cashing in with Carvel. But first, I present my dime. You know, I spent last week's dime setting the scene, presenting my case on who was to blame. It took me about 10 minutes to tell you. Well, I don't think I need more than 10 seconds to reiterate the same feelings I had last Monday. I'm still pointing the finger at exactly the same person I pointed it at last week. The only difference is, this week, I'm using two fingers. No, not that one. Come on. The other finger is being pointed at quite possibly... The most stubborn guy on planet football. You know who I'm talking about. And you know what I'm talking about. You know the guy on the sideline wearing the Saints visor? The one who sees the same things you and I see, but from a much closer distance? The one who has called the shots around here for 16 years? You know, I'm really, I'm kind of pissed at myself. I already could have had uh, 10 wins against the spread this week had I stuck with my original handicap that told me the Saints would fall once again. But my reasoning for disregarding what was on the paper and what the stats told me was, in Peyton, we trust. The thought was, that you know, the Saints' backs are against the wall. They're in a must-win situation. Sean Peyton will find a way to come up with a game plan That will stymie a rookie head coach. And Dennis Allen would have a much better idea than he did last year of how to handle a second-year quarterback. Well, it was his first start last year. But a second-year quarterback now who is far from polished. On Sunday, the coaching was poor. The effort was lackluster. And the quarterback was just plain god-awful. Should we make excuses for him again? I mean, sure, two significant linemen were out, so was an all-pro running back. That didn't cause the screen passes either at his target's feet or over their heads just enough to where he nearly got a couple of them decapitated by on-rushing defenders. That didn't cause a pick six at the end of the first half that Albert killed with little chance the team had of making enough adjustments to make a comeback. And when he finally showed a little vision and cut through a hole and ran into the end zone, he nearly sprained an ankle after he fumbled his own spike and then stepped on the football. In other words, he couldn't even get out of his own way. But what did his coach think?
0: Philly played a good game. Um, obviously, we didn't do the things necessary uh, to win in our league. Um, pretty much in every phase. Uh, turnovers you know the those were significant I thought we struggled defending their running game obviously and uh, and I thought our return game you know we thought we'd we'd have an edge there and I I thought that was just average so all of us got to do a better job Um, it's going to be a short week and uh, we're going to have to quickly refocus so any questions. What about it? Uh, look, it's a it's a patient attack. You know they stuck with it, and uh, ultimately, you know we didn't do a good enough job. Yeah, this is what it is. two-minute drill you know obviously it comes inside against a good corner um you know it's when we see the film i'm sure we saw the replay of it but i sat on a route and uh ended up being you know significant uh, score right at the half
1: a significant score right before the half a significant score you think But yet you chose to leave in a guy who has proven over the course of three weeks now he couldn't lead a team to victory if you gave him a road map, gas money, and Twinkies and Coke for the ride. Three straight games, Trevor Simeon has absolutely, unquestionably, indefensibly bombed. For the second consecutive game, his two-minute drill before halftime was a flat-out embarrassing in three straight games, he has almost single-handedly dug this team a hole that was all but impossible to climb out of. Through three weeks, the Saints have been outscored in the first three quarters by a combined 70-22. to In the first half, it's 50-13. to But yet, once again, on Sunday, trailing 27-7, to Peyton didn't think a change was warranted. If Taysom Hill isn't 100% and isn't ready to go, why wasn't Ian Book even on the active roster Sunday? And it was bothersome that no one from our media pressed the coach on his thought process on leaving Simeon in and basically crying uncle at halftime.
0: You've dealt with injuries since you've been head coach, but how challenging is it for the last couple of weeks? It seemed like you've dealt with more the- Yeah, I, I know. I, I don't really want to talk about it. the injuries. You know, I understand the question. It's a good question. And... Um, but there were a lot of things that we did today that weren't injury-related. Um, so I appreciate the question, Now, Sean was Taysom Hill's role because he was limited in being able to do things? Yeah. Yeah, he was the backup quarterback, really, in, in the event we needed him. Um, you know, we were we were lucky to have him up just in that role. How much could he have done if he had yeah, I don't want to speculate. I mean, he was, he was for, you know, we were able to get him to move around enough to work.
1: You know what I think? I think he knew long before the game even started, under no circumstances was he going to make a change in quarterback. Barring Simeon having to be taken off the field on a card, he was playing 27 to 7, 40 to 7, 62 to 7, it wouldn't have mattered. Sean Payton always has to prove that he's the smartest guy in the stadium. You know what? We know you're the smartest guy in the stadium, but you're also the most stubborn guy in the stadium. Just like when he has a certain play call on his call sheet, he's determined to use whether a situation calls for it or not. You know what I mean. Like when Drew Brees would march the team right down the field in perfect flow. But then would call in, taste him at the most inopportune time, and boom, field goal instead of touchdown. Or a double reverse on the 10 on the yard line when the opposing defenses have shown they can't stop the pass. But I'm glad we gave him a chance to have the excuse and he didn't take it. Oh, so and so's hurt. Blah, blah, blah. We don't have offensive linemen. We don't have Alvin Kamara. That has nothing to do with what we have seen over the past three weeks. Time and time again, we have seen the stubbornness. This is no different. He's determined to prove that Trevor Simeon is the right choice, even when we all know it isn't. It just doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. We've seen that over the past 16 years. The toughest part to take from the outside looking in is if the season ended today, the Saints would be in the playoffs as the seventh seed and the third wild card. But does anyone at this point think that's a realistic expectation with this quarterback? No matter who is playing left tackle, tight end, wide receiver, even if your star running back returns healthy. The Buffalo Bills are now in second place in the AFC East and they will absolutely be desperate for a win. The Dallas Cowboys come in the final on Thursday, and they're now no longer a shoe in to win the NFC East. At some point in the near future, Taysom Hill or Ian Book or both will get a chance to play. The question is will it be before or after the Saints are mathematically eliminated? And that's Terry's dime. It's just frustrating. I mean, it, it's just frustrating. I mean, we all know, he knows, Sean Payton knows, everybody on the team knows, everybody watching this team on a regular basis knows, you have zero, and I mean zero, chance to go to the playoffs if you leave this kid in to play quarterback for the remaining seven games of this season. Simple. Period. That's the end of it. Prove me wrong. I asked you last week to prove me wrong. Didn't even come close. Prove me wrong. Meanwhile, it's just becoming more and more impossible to watch. I have a feeling we'll see a change. Because I think even the stubborn Peyton will realize... If you want to make anything out of this season, and maybe he doesn't. I know that sounds ridiculous, but you know, Zach Ewing was texting with me yesterday and and said, "What do you think? Sean Payton doesn't want to win." You know what? At some point, I question whether he does. Some of the moves he made yesterday were just so odd. I'm gonna get into it with Fletcher in just a minute. So odd. You kick a field goal, down fourteen. You're still down two scores. You kick a field goal. So now you're down 11. Woohoo. You still got to score. Now you got to score a touchdown, get a two-point conversion which you've shown you can't do, and then kick a field goal to tie it which we know you might not be able to do unless you get inside like the th- the 20-yard line. It's frustrating and I don't get it. Confusing. There's something we don't there's lots of things we don't know. And there's a reason for it, and I don't know that we're ever gonna know the reason. Let's uh talk about it with Fletcher. He's always candid. I love having uh I'm you know, I'm sorry I haven't ha- had him on before because uh Fletcher's pretty candid about what he thinks usually. Let's hear what he has to say. Welcoming into the attitude podcast is Fletcher Mackle of WDSU Channel Six Sports Reporter. And um, you know, Fletcher, one of the reasons why I Glad to have you on this morning. Is of all the TV guys, you're one, you're one of the more candid, you'll tell it like it is kind of guys, and I think we need to tell it like it is kind of guy today. What is going on with this football team?
2: Um, I mean, look, the Saints are just dealing. They're they're beset by injuries, and their their depth was eroded in the off season because of salary cap issues. I think I said all along. I think Sean Payton is one of the best coaches. I don't think I'm saying anything your 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 viewers, your listeners don't know, your readers don't know right now. I think Sean Payton's one of the best coaches in the NFL. But I think Bill Belichick's one of the coaches in the NFL. And after Brady, the, the New England Patriots needed a reset year. I think this is a reset year for the Saints. I still think the Saints can go to the playoffs. I think they could get to nine and eight and sneak into the playoffs. But I think they could also finish seven and ten or eight and nine and miss the playoffs. And I do think after this season, they will figure some things out with the cap. They will have more tough cuts to make, and they will also figure out their long-term answer at quarterback, be it getting a Russell Wilson or somehow crazily landing Aaron Rodgers or just drafting a guy like New England did. I think there's a blueprint there. And this year, the year after breeze will be looked at as kind of a transition year that they did everything they could, but it was just too much to overcome of injury no depth, and kind of a reset year for that.
1: If you're a fan and you're watching, what should you take, what should be highlighted more, the last three weeks or the previous eight weeks before that? I mean, what are you putting more emphasis on? Does it scare you more from the last three weeks or are you more encouraged from the eight weeks that you saw before that?
2: Well, I'm scared for the last three weeks because Trevor Simeon is going to be playing back to the and I like Trevor Simeon I think he makes quick decisions but I think he shows there's a reason why he was unemployed a year ago around this time when they signed him there's a reason why he's a backup I think he's a smart guy if he's got to be thrown into action like he was at FBA he can hold the rope, so to say but is he the guy who's going to Get you down the field like before halftime and get you some crucial points just before halftime that can chip away at a lead and then maybe win it in the second half. And I know people look at the fourth quarter stats, but those are kind of empty calorie, you know, like stats so to say in yards and even Trevor Simeon alluded to it I mean he's a smart guy when somebody asked yesterday about what do you all do right in the fourth quarter he goes it's not really us doing things right in the fourth quarter it's the defense is playing a shell defense because they're up by two or three scores so they'll give you the chunk plays but you've got to get a half a dozen chunk plays and eat up the clock they're going to kind of go softer so they don't give up the big play on one shot and I remember that was, I always felt like the Aaron Brooks Saints sometimes. These fourth yeah. quarter, Aaron Brooks would have sure. 170 yards in one touchdown. And by the time the game ended, he'd be at 300 yards with two or three touchdowns. And it's like, and they still lose by seven. And it's like, <laughs> what happened? And it's like, well, in the fourth quarter, when teams with more of a, a preventer show defense, you can get some of those chunk yards and maybe, I hate to say a meaningless touchdown, but a meaningless touchdown. So I'm more concerned because the offense all season, even with Jameis, did not start fast. Now I think the offense, with all the injuries on the offensive line and Alvin Kamara is really struggling, and the defense can only be asked to do so much. I mean, you can only put so much pressure on them. So I am concerned that, like Sean Payton always said, Superman is not walking through the door. There's no savior coming to bail them out. Drew Brees is not coming out of retirement. of, of prime Drew Brees refreshed and say, hey, I'm back. Uh, you know, uh, So I think they are what they are. The last three weeks, I think, are somewhat of a microcosm of what we could see against good teams like Buffalo in Dallas. Now, that being said, the Saints do have some bad teams on their schedule still. I mean, they still have Miami. I don't think Atlanta is very good at all, even though the Saints lost to them. I think Carolina is a suspect team. The Jets are awful. So I look at those four wins, all four games, and say... Those could be four wins and get you to your 9-8 and mark and maybe sneak into the playoffs.
1: Goes to show how spoiled we were over the course of 15 years with a Hall of Famer a quarterback. And it's, um, you know, it's really hard to move on a lot of times and realize how good this team had it. And, you know, I was one who, obviously, the last three years that Drew Brees was here, was sort of a critic a little bit of look he had earned the right to retire when he wanted to retire but I don't think I appreciated at how he how really good he was it didn't matter that he couldn't throw the ball deep he knew how to manage a football game and he knew how to manage throwing a ball under 20 yards which is something I don't think we have either of right now
2: no you're right and I I get it look everybody I remember doing Q&As with Chris Sims from NBC Sports, and and, and and Q&As with other national people. And that was, Brees could not get the ball down the field like he could in his prime when Devery was going deep. And, And when you had big play threats left and right, it just wasn't the same. But he basically invented this offense with Sean Payton. So from an intangible standpoint, he could outsmart every defensive coordinator to keep this offense at least serviceable. Now, if the Saints got down like they did against Tampa, asking him to lead it back with big plays or, or, or chunk plays or down the field, you know, that's what happened against Minnesota. They couldn't take the top off of that, that Minnesota defense in that playoff game two years ago in the 19th season. And I think that Minnesota cheated up and, and just played everybody in the box knowing Greece can't beat us deep. I certainly think that's what doomed them last year in the playoff game. But you're right. For a season, he could operate, I hate the term dink and dunk, but he could dink and dunk you to death. I mean, death by a million cuts, so to say, or, or a thousand cuts, whatever the term is, that's how he could beat you. Efficiency and, and intelligence, and that's just what they're missing right now. Forget who could do it all. Even when he was at the end of his career and 40 or 41 years old, he could still nickel and dime you and figure out ways to ball control, beat you, execute the offense at a high level. And so you're right. I do think we were spoiled, and you understand how important it is to have a true great operating that offense every single play.
1: All of that said, in the here and now, if you would have told me, oh, I don't know, eight, nine, eight nine, 10 weeks ago, that we'd be sitting going into Thanksgiving, and I would miss, like, super miss, like, Miss like I'd miss if my wife went off for two weeks. Jameis Winston, I would have told you you were absolutely out of your mind, bonkers crazy. But that's where I am. I, like, I, I can't imagine how much better this team would be if Jameis Winston had not tore his ACL and still been here with the Saints right now. I guarantee you they wouldn't be 5-5. Five and five.
2: No, I think you're right. I mean, look, for all... You know the questions people had about Jameis. When is when is Sean Payton going to let Jameis cook? And how they kind of you know they didn't let Jameis do what Jameis does, which is obviously get the ball down the field. The offense. I mean, look, Jameis had 15 touchdowns and three interceptions. I think when he when he hurt his knee, that while the offense wasn't the breeze heyday of top 10, it was good enough to go. Sean Payton knew what this team was. Dominant defense dominant offensive line and ground game and a quarterback who is an excellent game manager that doesn't have to win it for us. That was their recipe for success. You're right. And again, I don't want to pick on Trevor Simeon because I think that he started the season as the third string quarterback and there just are limitations to his game that he's better coming in for a few quarters and, and, and bailing you out for a few quarters or maybe a game. But now that teams can game plan for him. I mean, he even said it, there were some blitz packages that they didn't see on film from Philadelphia. That Philadelphia came with some exotic stuff they hadn't seen, and, and it got him. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I can only imagine what this offense would have been if Breeze were still here. I can only imagine what it would have been if Jameis were still playing, um, even though it wasn't perfect. But now it, it is what it is, and, and they are what they are. And and look, I looked at those four wins that I told you about You know, coming up. Jets, Carolina, Atlanta, Miami, uh, I think those are four wins and could get them to nine and maybe they could steal another one, but those could also be losses. I mean here's the thing the way the Saints have played, the Saints lost to the Falcons. I mean the, the Saints lost to Carolina. Carolina plays hard every week you know with, with cam now. they could have easily won that game yesterday against the Washington football team. So while I look at the Saints and say I can see a path to nine wins, I can also see them faltering in, in winning seven and finishing seven and ten this year.
1: You say you can't lay a lot of blame on trevor simeon well i'll give you a little spoiler alert i've been very hard on him and um i make no bones about it and that's okay i mean i know i'm being harder on him than probably just about everyone else and that's okay but the problem that i have is not so much with him uh he's doing the best that he can i believe that um the problem that i have is three games in now the saints have Buried themselves in a hole that they basically couldn't dig out of. They almost got lucky and dug themselves out of the one in, against Atlanta. But we now know what this, this quarterback is. We know why he was released um, three other times, and he is what he is. And I get all that. But what I don't understand is a man who I consider probably one of the top ten coaches in the history of the NFL, if, if not top ten, certainly top 20 of all time. And he will be in the Hall of Fame one day. He, he seems to get stubborn and has things to prove at times. And I don't know if this is one of those times where there's something behind the scenes that we don't know. And Taysom's just more, the concussion led to more problems than, than we could know, and he's not going to tell us, and that's okay. But yesterday I had a problem with, you're losing 27 to 7 to the half. And if Taysom Hill is not 100%, then why isn't Ian Book dressed out? And so it leads them to believe that maybe Taysom Hill was ready to go had Simeon been, been carted off a of field. Do, do do you ever wonder, do you do you sit there and wonder during a game why at least we haven't seen more of number seven under center, if, especially since he, he was supposedly in a quarterback battle with Jameis Winston before the season, which we all know wasn't really true. We knew Jameis Winston was going to be the quarterback. But... If he was in such a battle and he was that close to Jameis Winston, why haven't we seen him at quarterback, do you think?
2: So, Jim, that's a lot to digest and for me to answer. So, I will... It is. I'm going to give it, is. it was loaded. Yes. So, let me say this. I disagree with you on one point you just said. I think it was a true quarterback competition. I think that Sean Payton spent four years building Taysom Hill in his little lab, and, and I think Almost wanted him to win the job, okay? But obviously, Jameis won the job. Clearly, no doubt about it, if he would have said Taysom's the guy, he'd have lost the whole locker room. There's no doubt. And Sean Payton reads the room very well, I've always said that, and understands the temperature and in, in what is happening. Self-awareness is very important, and he has that. So, I think he understood I am blown away, and I have said it on the news. I have done reports like yours with podcasts radio shows. I thought I, I, I was giving myself more than a humble pat on the back last year. When Breeze went down and Jameis went in, everybody goes, Jameis is the guy. I immediately said, I think Taysom's starting next week. And everybody laughed at me, and everybody told me I was crazy. And I go, I'm just telling you, Sean Payton said Taysom was the backup. They had no offseason. They had no training camp. And guess what? Taysom was the backup, and so uh, he played those four games and went 3-1. and one. It actually, I think, did a good job operating the Breeze offense. Quick short passes, 72% completion rate. They didn't even try to use utilize him running the ball. That was just make plays with your feet when you can. So I, I said when Trevor Simeon went in against Tampa, that's cool. This is just like last year. Trevor Simeon's going to play this game. But if and when Taysom is healthy, Taysom's the dude. Like, this may be what Sean Payton always secretly wanted. Like, I don't think he wanted Jameis to get hurt. But now that Jameis is out, unleash, you know, the jack of all trades. Build some offense around Taysom Hill. Let him do what he can do. So I was, I understood the Atlanta game because I thought, well, Taysom started the week in concussion protocol. Maybe they felt like they needed a full week Trevor Simeon. Because it's a backup quarterback situation. But all bets were off when they went into Tennessee and they said, nope, it's Trevor, not Taysom. Because Taysom Hill was back full. He was out of concussion protocol. He practiced full that week. And they still went with Trevor Simeon. So back to what you originally said, something happened. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if Peyton just realized I overcalculated and made such a mistake on Taysom Hill. He's not an NFL quarterback and he can't do it or something with the concussion, or did Taysom do something? I don't know if we'll ever get a look behind the curtain or an honest answer on that, but I don't know why they didn't go with Taysom Hill right away with Atlanta, especially in Tennessee, and even last week, but it's obviously, it's no longer Taysom Hill as a quarterback. They look at Taysom Hill as a trick pony or their backup. End of story, and Trevor Simeon's the guy, and I agree with you. Why wouldn't you? It's 27-7, and the guy just threw a pick six. That may have been the nail in the coffin. Seems like a good time to make a change. I mean, Trevor Simeon's a third-string quarterback. You're not pulling uh, Drew Brees from you're not pulling your starter from a game. You're pulling your third-string quarterback from a game to give your team a spark. So I, I am perplexed by the fact that when Jameis went down, it wasn't Taysom. and why it hasn't been Taysom. Something has happened in Sean Payton's mind – either from Taysom's side or Sean's side. And and again, I don't know if we'll ever truly, maybe a decade later, we'll find out when somebody writes the book what happened to this relationship or why they fe- he fell out of favor. I mean, this is a guy, he referred to as Steve Young and said the heir apparent is in the building, and now the heir apparent isn't even good enough to start in front of Trevor Simeon.
1: And the frustrating thing about it is, <clears throat> you know, Look, I I think Trevor Simeon is fine as, like, you know, you you need to have a third-string guy on, an emergency-type quarterback, um, a guy who's probably cerebral and and can help younger quarterbacks or whatever and be a great guy in in the locker room or in in quarterback meetings and things like that. He's probably fine for that. But when you get to this point, if my point, especially for yesterday – And I don't know. I agree with you. Something's wrong. It's either a a falling out, and I think it's more likely that the concussion probably did more than we we know up front. And Sean's not going to talk about injuries. He doesn't ever, and that's okay. I get that. But if Ian Book wasn't active yesterday, he had to think that Taysom Hill could play if he needed to play. And what other time, besides an injury, Does someone need to play? What else do you need to see? And then what's worst of all to me yesterday is the third quarter kind of went like the second quarter went. What point do you you need to see to make a change? That was what was so frustrating, especially yesterday.
2: I I agree. I agree with everything you're saying. I mean, I think we are in in alignment here. Again, I guess I I don't know what more to say. I I agree 110% with you. It just seemed like, you had ample opportunity to make a switch. Because here's the thing, what if, I mean, if if Taysom Hill was active, that means, you know, you're one injury away with a third-string quarterback. So if if he was good enough to play, if you'd have gotten in such a pickle that your quarterback, you know, God forbid Trevor Simeon would have been hit with the season-ending injury, well, Taysom has to go in. Well, the game was over at halftime. I mean, it was 27-7. Like, put him in. How much worse could he be? If he was going to play in an injury-only situation, could he play here? Even if you don't want to make him a battering ram in the red zone and tell him to go put his head down, couldn't you like, throw him out there and let him make some play-action passes and see if he could sp- the offense in some way? Uh, again, I, I don't understand it. Like, I, if he was able to uh, – he had the, the concussion and then the injury this week, and Sean Payton said after the game, just him being up was big. It's like – but if he was up, he could play. And and I, I just don't understand it. I Again, I, look, when teams lose, a lot of things are under the microscope. This is something I plan on talking a lot about today on the news at 6 and 10 because I just feel like, why not? Like, right. what do you got to lose? Like, why?
1: But he didn't even really answer the question in the press conference. I mean, and no one really pressed him on. I mean, I wish someone would ask him. And I know it's tough because you don't want to get ostracized by him because he will... If you take him off, he'll, 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 he holds grudges. I get that. Um, but, and Kat tries to ask him questions sometimes, and she's sheepily asks him the right question, not the right way. And then he jumps on her. But it just, it, it's so frustrating. To and then yesterday, I found this even more confusing, I guess is the right word. They kind of accidentally climbed their way back into the game in the fourth quarter and they're down by 14. I don't know how they, they go, go for the field goal, And you kick right. a field goal. What sense did that make kicking that, that to me, like, okay, I give up. I don't even want to try to get back in this game. And this is after they were running the ball so much in the fourth quarter. I didn't understand. I mean, it was such, it might've been the weirdest game I've seen in, in quite some time.
2: That was another perplexing moment for me. Like you're down two spurs and you're late in the game. I get it. If you don't get that on fourth down, the game is probably over because you're down fourteen. It's over if you kick a field goal. But you kick a field goal and you're still down eleven. Like you're still down two scores. Like it's like you went from being down two scores. I saw a tweet. Sean Payton just went from being down two scores to being down two scores. Like I I mean, I I I guess like and again, I wasn't there, but I guess his logic and you're right. Maybe we like somebody should have asked him is. And, and I, you know, I don't know if he would have answered it because his press conference is pretty quick, and you could see he yeah. didn't want to do a lot of media yesterday. Right. Um, but it was – i my assumption, though, is the logic was there was still about seven minutes left. Kick the field goal. My defense gets a stop. I get, uh, like, a touchdown and then an onside kick. But, again, I guess he felt like if I go for it here and don't get it, I've ended the game. Like, that's the only thing I could think of is – There's still seven minutes left. That's a lot of football. That's not two minutes. That's not three minutes. That's I think there was like 7:40 left on the clock. That I guess he felt like there's still a lot of football left to be played. If we force a three and out, we get the ball back, we score, and we still have a chance to then get an onside kick or get the ball again and get a field goal or a touchdown to win it. That's the only logic I could see. If there was just in his mind too much time, but again. You know the way that Philly was running the ball and killing clock and dominating time of possession would have just. I, I thought, wait, you're, you're He's got to go for it here, make it a one-score game, and then hope to get the ball back. But again, that was yeah, that, that was confusing.
1: Not only that, here's the thing: two weeks in a row now, he made the just completely on Sean Payton-like calls. Okay, last week, fourth and goal at the one, it made no sense to kick a field goal. Okay. So this week, not only – okay, so so think of the scenario. You kick a field goal, and think about what has to happen after that. You're going to kick deep. So now you're putting the pressure on to get a touchdown, a two-point conversion, which you've missed eight straight two-point conversions. And then if somehow you get the touchdown and the two-point conversion, then you're relying on your field goal kicker to get you a field goal and – we know we don't trust our field goal kicker cuz we haven't had one that can make an extra point this year that's what was even more confounding about this you were you were dependent on all those things to happen rather than get a fourth and nine
2: yeah no uh, again like i said there was just so many things that i looked at um like if you went back to the, the game last week you know on some of the short yardage stuff like you didn't use Taysom hill in the short yardage in fact i got back to the because of the concussion like you're at the goal line and you're not using like again I understand the two-point conversion he had Taysom in when they got the penalty and it it changed a lot of what they did but before that when you're in the red zone and you took the field goal like you used him as a battering ram you were going to use him as a battering ram for the two-point conversion were you worried about the concussion because that would have been a pretty good time to put Taysom Hill in the game where he's been so effective in the red zone so yeah, there's definitely been some some stuff this year that you scratch your head and you go, hmm, I, that, that's that's questionable stuff.
1: It's almost like he just, he's still in almost Drew Brees denial, I think. I, I just think he doesn't even, after losing Jameis, I think that was such a, a hit to him. And I get it. I mean, you had worked so hard to turn Jameis into, I guess, serviceable. And I think at the end, before he got hurt, I think he was beyond that. I think he was... Jameis was becoming, to me, I think he was in a position to where he could have gone through and been a top-10 quarterback by the end of the season, or at least top-12 or 13. I mean, so I get that it's frustrating to him, and you get a setback like that, and you could see his emotion after Jameis got hurt, and uh, it, it, it truly messed with him a little bit. But, I mean, at some point, you got to recover, and you know the Saints are going into a stretch now, Buffalo and Dallas, where you just can't. I mean, to me, if you don't make a switch soon... I mean, you're not winning Buffalo. You're not beating Buffalo and Dallas with this guy quarterback. And, and again, I don't mean any ill will towards the, the man himself at all. Because people text me all week, you hate Trevor Simeon. I don't hate Trevor Simeon. He's probably a nice guy. I don't know Trevor Simeon. I just think the Saints can't win with this guy quarterback. And I'm just wondering if we're going to see some kind of change. Because I don't want to, to me, it makes no sense to wait until you're 5-7 or 5-8 and eight to do it.
2: Look, I, I agree completely with you. I think that Trevor Simeon has proven to you that he's not going to win games, and you got two big ones coming up. I mean, Buffalo is going to come in here salty as can be, coming off their worst loss of the season, trying to prove that they are that super contender that everybody thought they were when they opened up four and one um, on national TV in a tough place to play. That the place is geeked up for breeze. Um and then you got Dallas, and I know they got beaten yesterday by Kansas City or on Sunday by Kansas City. But I certainly think that you know Dallas is pretty good. So you're right. I don't know how you, and especially if you don't have Alvin Kamara back, and especially if your offensive line's banged up. I don't know how you don't at least say we have to weaponize Taysom Hill at this point. Like, like we've right. got to utilize him. And here's the thing: I would go even one step further. If it's not Taysom Hill, I am not afraid to throw Ian Book out there just to see 100%. what you have, what you have for the future. Because here's the thing. Trevor Simeon is what he is. He is a smart, serviceable backup. He has hit his ceiling. It's not getting any. He is not going to next week. Sean Payton doesn't have a magic wand. He's not turning Trevor Simeon into Drew Brees. We have seen Trevor Simeon, who and what he is. Good dude, smart quarterback, great temperament. Obviously probably is great in the QB room with the coaches and the other quarterbacks. I love all that stuff. But from a game perspective in winning games, we've seen it. It's not happening. So if you're not going to go to Taysom Hill because of whatever reason, concussion, falling out of favor, losing faith, whatever, maybe go to Ian Vaughn and say, I get it. It's crazy. But here's the thing. Let's see what this young guy has. Like, it, it, it's he your future. It, and I know that you may say that's too soon. That's stupid to say we're looking to the future. Is it? Why don't you put him out there in some meaningful games to see? Let's see if he's the guy going forward. Not not at the end of the season when we're playing Carolina or Atlanta in games that don't mean anything. Let's put him out here against... Buffalo in Dallas and let's throw this kid into the fire and test him because guess what if he can answer there maybe we
1: have our guy going forward what have you got to lose right I mean a hundred percent I mean I've I've said that in the monologue a hundred percent what have you got to lose you know what's going to happen if you throw um, Patrick Trevor Simeon out there you don't know what's going to happen if you put Ian Book so out there so if Taysom Hill isn't ready if you don't feel like he can play a full game and you're worried about his future health, which is the only thing I can imagine that this is about. I mean, I can't imagine it's about anything else. I can't imagine he's in a doghouse or or whatever. Maybe Sean Payton doesn't want controversy. I don't know, because if Taysom Hill does a great job, then he has controversy, and it, I don't know. I. It, but it, it's, it's just so strange. But anyway, I agree with you 100%. It can't hurt anything to throw Ian Book out there, except maybe the psyche of Ian Book if he does really poorly. I mean, I don't know. But uh, you wait too long, it's going to be a, a lost season. Before, before I let you go, I, do want, I want to talk about the Pels in just a second, but my, my last question on the Saints is, where, if you had to predict, okay, I mean, this is, is, the Saints are usually good at at finding a climb their way out of, uh, out of an abyss. But I don't feel that now. I mean, I wanted to pick this, the, the Eagles last week. I went with in Sean Payton, I trust, in my picks last week. I should have stuck with my original handicap. But um, is, is this the time when they, they, you know, they seem to, in the past, they surprised us when we least expected? Did they do it now? Did they come out with a shocker on Thursday night? Or do we, or, or is it a tough time for Saints fans on a full stomach of turkey and pie? I mean, what is it?
2: Let me say this. I hate to hedge like this. I just don't know. Because for the gamblers out there, for the fans out there, I think that the Saints could come out and their defense is shown how dominating they can be. Maybe they smack around, you know, Josh Allen. Maybe they, 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 the, the DBs lock down some pretty good receivers for the Buffalo Bills that I think are, are some of the best in the league. And they come away with a big win saying, don't ever doubt us. National TV Thanksgiving night, three-game losing streak. Don't forget, we we can we can, we may not be at our best, but we are never a team that you should write off. I certainly think that, or I could absolutely say that. Hey, it, it's too much. It's a bridge too far. They can't come back from all the injuries, all the the lack of depth. The the season is 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 like headed wrong direction and we can't make the 180 and walk it back so I I just don't know I mean I feel like that's going to be the rest of the season I feel like that against Buffalo I feel like that against Dallas I will feel that way for every game going forward that this team certainly has enough talent and certainly has enough to beat anybody on any given Sunday because they have proven they can do that but they have also proven that They can lose to teams that they shouldn't lose to. And that is just kind of an, I certainly don't think you look at this team as a legit deep playoff threat or Super Bowl contender. But could they win enough, steal enough to speak like the Bears last year? The Bears were one of those teams that like, are they good? I don't know. They're not good. No, they're okay. And guess (laughs) what? They got in and they got, they got popped in the first round. By the Saints. Mitchell Trubisky, they, they parted ways with him. I think that's what the Saints remind me of this year. They're going to be this frustrating up and down. Look, they're not going to lose every game the rest of the season. I can guarantee you that.
0: Are they going to win enough to get
2: in? I think they may. But who beat, how they beat them, when they beat them, I just don't know.
1: That's fair enough. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's, it, To me, it was pretty easy to predict this team until Halloween. And now it's just super hard. I mean, it. You could just easily say, you know what, I'm going to predict them to lose until they win. I guess that would be the easiest thing to. You know, but you know what's scary is eight wins in this seven team playoff structure in this muddled NFC. If you look at it, eight nine might be good enough to get in the playoff if you had the tiebreaker.
2: You're right. I mean, look, there's always years. I remember, look, the Saints had to go play a seven and nine Seattle team back. That's in, right. in in the day. So, like, I and certainly think eight, and they lost as a road favorite. I mean, the Beast Quake game. And so uh, it was crazy. And there have been other teams that have snuck into the playoffs with eight and eight records. And so, uh, again, with the 17th game, I certainly think you're right. Depending on, you know, how this dogfight in the NFOs, I certainly think you're right that an eight and nine team could definitely be the last seed in, and that could definitely be the New Orleans Saints.
1: Well, let's spend a very brief time, and I mean like three, four minutes, because uh, I know that the Pelicans are—you know—you you you probably cover them as better, as as good as anyone on on television. And uh, three and fifteen, uh, obviously, as far from the start as you could possibly want. Uh, they host the Timberwolves tonight. Um, it's just it's it's so frustrating, really. And I and I, I think Willie Green has done the best job he could do. The whole Zion debacle, um, Bi is finally back, and they are playing better basketball. They 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 showed the other night they they can't play a back to back is is tough for them. But I mean, what do we do with this team? I mean, I, I think they will improve as as the course of the season goes on, but I don't think it'll be enough to to get them in the top ten in, in the conference. But how frustrating is this?
2: It's frustrating because this I think David Griffin, who is, you know, swung and missed a lot his first two years, finally got it right with Willie Green. I think Willie Green is the right coach for this team. I wish they'd have hired a coach like Willie Green right when David Griffin got here. I, I was yes. lobbying for that right away. Hire the young coach to grow with the young yes. players. Then last year I saw I thought the same thing. Okay, you moved on from gentry. Go get the young coach to grow with the young core. And so I think on on Take three, he got it right. Same with big men. Derek Favors didn't fit. Steven Adams didn't fit. Now, Junis is is having an all-star caliber season right now, and he fits. And now, after two years of screw-ups from the management and Zion getting frustrated, now, management may have gotten it right. And now, Zion's injury and the frustration around it is one of the huge reasons that they are not having success. And then... It's so unfair when Zion comes back to say, he's back, start winning. Go on a 10-game winning streak. Because, I mean, he's going to be on a minute restriction. How this team works and recalibrates around him is going to take time. Uh, look, could they make some crazy run late and maybe get to the play at like 9 or 10? They're six games out of that right now. But just getting back into that is going to take a big run. It's it's just it's, it's upsetting because you don't know... What's going to happen going forward? Zion is eligible for an extension this summer going forward. If he doesn't accept the extension, he basically tells you he wants out as soon as he can get out. And so then then the talk of do you have to trade him starts to become very, very loud and very, very real, whether they want to admit it or not. So I'm curious to see who and what they become when Zion gets back. And look, Zion doesn't get back at all. Then you've really got some questions to answer as far as how you go forward this season with who you play. I know the word tank is good, but Zion and I'm not saying that's going to happen. But if his foot injury carries him into January or February, and you are three and thirty, I mean, do you or, or five and in in twenty five, do you start to say like, what do we do at this point? Like, are we just playing it out? Just you know. So again. Look, you're right. I love covering the NBA. I love talking about the NBA. I've covered it since I started working at Channel 6 in 2002, right when the team moved here. And I am as confused now as I've been in 18 years. I am always one of these people that feels like, oh, do this. Go this path. You know, tear it down and rebuild. Double down on veterans. I've always had an opinion about what I think the path is. I have no clue what the path is. I just don't. I, I don't know what you do with this situation because it is, it is kind of untenable right now I I don't know if Zion comes back well I know if Zion comes back full tilt scoring 27 a night you just try to push for the playoffs but what if they say for the next three weeks he's on a minutes restriction well that's not conducive to winning at a high level so if this first month he's on a minutes restriction and you keep losing games because he can't play enough you know What do you, again, I just don't know. It's just, it's upsetting, it's confusing, because in 2019, they got an opportunity that few franchises have, and they have squandered it, and now it's it's becoming something that's kind of embarrassing.
1: And the toughest part to me is, if you lose Zion, you got to start all over again. And the thought of starting all over again, I mean, you're never going to get a decent free agent to come here. If you have to start over a third time, a, a third star leaves in the course of about what twelve years. I mean, it, it's 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 so tough to th- think about being having to do that, and it's it's so tough to think about this young coach having to go through all that.
2: Well, let me say this though, and this is the one thing I always tell people this franchise is not getting a star free agent anyway, because unfortunately what the NBA has built itself into star free agents. It's like, look, Memphis doesn't get star free agents. Utah doesn't right. get star free agents. Yep. Like Minnesota doesn't get star free agents. Cleveland doesn't get star free agents. Like besides LeBron, who's from the area, right. but like Orlando, Charlotte, like these teams don't get star free agents. But what you have to do is you have to make, you know, San Antonio's one big free agent was LaMarcus Aldrich in the history of their organization. You have to draft well, you have to develop well. In that, look, Utah has done that. San Antonio for 20 years did that. Like, it's, Memphis is doing it right now. So you can do it, but the margin of error is, is thin because the NBA caters to the star markets and all the players want to go to LA and Miami and New York. And so, what they have done, though, is just made colossal mistakes with the draft and with the trades they've made and with the free agents they've chosen to sign, and that has hurt them. And so that, to me, is, is more than anything else. What is his, his doom in this franchise and where we are right now is bad moves around Zion Williamson, and I don't know if it's going to be salvageable, even though they seem to have maybe gotten it right in year three.
1: Last question. Do you remember a more brutal month than November thus far for the local, for the Saints, the Pelicans, LSU, and Tulane, who actually won, played well and won this weekend? But can you think of a more brutal month in the recent past of all four of our teams that we cover uh, having just a horrendous month?
2: I mean, it's pretty terrible, right? I mean, you know, LSU, yeah, they beat ULM, but, I mean, this month has been pretty rough for them Tulane up until South Florida had had some really bad games. Saints are on a three game losing streak. Yeah. I mean, look, it's rough. It's a, it's a rough time. I think the beginning of 2016, I remember yeah. doing a commentary, you know, 2016 was rough. The Saints started 0 and three, they never really pulled out of that nosedive. The Pelicans started off pretty terrible that year. Um, you know, beset by some injuries and some struggles. So that was pretty rough. I remember that was when they fired, um, uh, less miles. So I would say that, you know, it it rivals 2016, but that'd have to go back five years. And I don't even know if it was that bad in 2016.
1: So in other words, if LSU needs a new football coach, we can expect that all of our teams to stink. I guess that's, that's (laughs) the the moral of the story. Fletcher Mackle, WDSU. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and taking time out. I know on a busy Monday and, um, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, We'll see you Thursday night on WDSU. The Saints game will be on Channel 6 both this week and next week, right, against Dallas. No, not next week. Not next week. Uh, It's on some other network next week. Okay, well, Um, we won't talk about the other network.
2: Yeah, it's on this week. Thank you for the plug. This Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, uh, Jim Moore, Lance Moore, Sharif Aishak, a post-shaw guy like yourself, and uh, and, and myself, will have pre- and post-game coverage. So, yes, we will uh, Thursday night on Thanksgiving.
1: By the way, um, I love the post-game show you guys do. Jim Mora is just – it's just funny how sometimes you can still stir his pot a little bit. I mean, he's like 80 years old, but you can still stir the old coach's pot sometimes and and get him to do that old coach thing that he used to do. It's great. Yeah. 86, by the way. Is he 86? Are you kidding? Yeah. He looks uh, awesome for 86.
2: I agree, and still likes to go it's, round and round on football topics.
1: And still sharp as a tack. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Well, I love yeah. watching that show. You guys do a great job. And look, when you can have a Shaw guy on any kind of show, it's a great thing. So you you keep Sharif around as long as you can. He's doing a great job. You guys are doing a wonderful job. We'll talk. We'll see you Thursday, and talk to you soon. All right, Jim. Thanks, watch. Yeah. Well. We agree on a lot of things, but you know what? I'm sure most of us agree on a lot of things. Doesn't make it any easier to take. Three-game losing streak. I said it was a must-win. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the season's not over, but it's hard to think that uh, they're going to find their way out of this. We are uh, going to talk more about it. It's a short week. It's a short week for us, too. So, um, you know, we'll... We'll try to wrap two shows into one, really on on Wednesday, and um, we could do that. Uh, it's just it's just frustrating. I don't know what else, how how else to put it. You know, around the NFL, some other teams had some uh, some frustrating moments as well. Um, the Buffalo Bills, the opponent for this week, you got to think. You know, like I said in the open, you it's one thing to lose. But to lose like they lost and just get shellacked yesterday by the colts brutal. Where's that team going? Somebody's got to win on Thursday night, and I just can't imagine where if you- put, where the saints and the bills are i I cannot imagine that the bills are going to be playing. Of course, I kind of thought that this week they did come out last week after losing just mysteriously to the Jaguars. They came out last week and played against a bad team and blew them away. But then came out against a good Colts team and stunk up the joint. So who knows what we're going to get on Thursday. Bills, as of now, uh, looking this morning, are a four to four-and-a-half point favorite, depending on where you look. That's not going to stay there. Some other weird games yesterday, obviously. The Tennessee Titans losing to the Texans, and anybody who read my NFL picks column last week, I warned you if you took them in your knockout pool. That was an awful spot for the Titans, and I said it would not shock me if they lost straight up. And I had a couple friends of mine told me I was nuts. I stayed away from it in my knockout pool. I'm still alive, barely. But uh, we're down to, we started with 540 uh, entries. We're down to... Either 15 or 16 going into tonight. There's four people of Tampa Bay. I think it's 15. And I still got a pick left. So, hey, if I win that one, all my big bucks, stinky picks, and other picks that I made this year, I won't care about them if I can win that thing. Uh, just some crazy games this week. The Cowboys were exposed a little bit. I'm still not sold on the Chiefs. They win 19-9 over the Cowboys. How can you be sold on them, right? Just a weird day. It's been a weird four we- four weeks or so in the NFL. You know, we had no big upsets the first, I think, seven weeks of the season. And now the last four weeks, there have been at least one major upset each of the four weeks. Like, outright upsets. I'm not talking about against the spread. Just insane. So, we'll see what the future holds. Tonight, Tampa Bay hosting the Giants. Um, is Tampa Bay going to break their two-game losing streak? Or are they going to keep the Saints just kind of hanging around, hanging around? And by the way, speaking of the NFC South, didn't you just love Scammy Cammy? Hey, if you took anything positive out of yesterday, you know, Atlanta lost and Carolina lost, so it could be worse. They keep the Saints hanging around, hanging around. If somehow the Giants pull the upset tonight, the Saints will still be hanging around. But Scammy Cammy yesterday. Remember last week? I'm back! That kind of made yesterday a little bit easier to take. Yeah, you're back. Your first chance to be a starter again, and you look like the same old Cam Newton we saw last year. You're not that good anymore. And neither is that team. Of course, they're better with Cam Newton than they are with Sam Darnold, but so what? They're not going to the playoffs either. going to be interesting when we play them uh, I forget what week we play them but that's coming up before too long look uh, we're going to get into this more on Wednesday that is going to wrap it up for episode 26 I want to give a shout out to Caesar Sportsbook who's an exclusive partner with us at the Advocate Town and Com. a reminder we have a link on bet.nola.com where you, can get the, where you can download the app and get a free $100 bet when it goes live don't forget about our shows each Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday uh, we'll have one later on this afternoon, a live show, Odds and Ends, recapping what happened this week. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Saints, what, our, what we're thinking for our picks on, uh, on Thursday, give a little early preview. So much going on this Thanksgiving. I want to thank Fletcher Mackel for the tough talk this morning. Mike Dettillier will be on Wednesday to share his thoughts on the three-game losing streak and to preview, preview Saints-Bills matchup Thanksgiving night in the Superdome. We will probably also talk a little LSU and how the coaching search is going. Look, I know you didn't expect happy, happy, joy, joy out of me today, but my thing is we're going to tell it like it is here. There's no sugar coating. You can get your sugarcoating on all those pies you're going to eat later this week. Remember, football is supposed to be our getaway from reality, and what's really important will hopefully be sitting next to you on the couch Thursday, sharing and making some memories. Y'all have an absolutely fabulous week, and save me a turkey leg, okay? We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Peace and love, my friends.